Hey you, welcome to today's episode of Under the Rug. I'm your host, Nalini Tranquim. Ramon and I are continuing with our series, The Church Behind the Curtain. If you missed part one, Director to Dishes, or part two, Glam Up to Blow Up, then be sure to catch up on both of those episodes before diving into today's. Now, I admit this series is not for the faint-hearted, but I can tell you now, the response we have received has been overwhelming. I'm both sad and happy about this fact. Happy because it means people feel safe to finally talk about this subject. Sad because this sort of abuse is still happening. One of the questions that was submitted prior to recording this interview was, do you feel that by staying within the church under abusive leadership, that you are actually inadvertently enabling the abuse? I want you to think about that question as you tune in to what we share today but it's certainly a question that I answer in today's episode. So hey, fasten your seatbelt because this is quite a ride. Well, welcome back to the Under the Rug podcast. My name is Ramon Tranquim and uh, picking up immediately from where we left off. um, Firstly, wow. Yeah. (laughs) It's a pretty crazy situation and it is very much evident that you're not dealing with someone who's got your best interests at heart, let alone the best interests of the word, as much as they do the best interests of trying to tick all the boxes and make sure that church is being min-maxed to the nth degree. We need to get as many people in as possible. We need good turnover. We need to save the lost at any cost. So you've reached this climax almost of stress and anguish where you're feeling lost and confused and you can't tell left from right. And so this leads into your leaving of the church. So tell me a little bit about how that all came about and then we'll go into further detail. Yeah, I just remember it was a Saturday morning and um, Sandra was shaving in the bathroom and I went and leant on the wall and literally slid to the floor and just said to him, I can't do this anymore. I just, I cannot do this anymore. And at that point in time, it felt like I can't do my marriage anymore. I'm a bad mum. I'm a bad wife. I'm a bad bookkeeper because I'm not even keeping up to date with your books. I'm a bad worship director. Just I am failing in every area of my life. I cannot do this anymore. Mm. And he was just, he was just so beautiful. He just, I knew for him that was a, a wake up call. And he knew that it was his girl crying out for help because he had pretty much stayed in the back seat when it came to what was going on in my involvement in the church. He tried not to get too involved. You know, he wasn't on staff. He wasn't there. So he always kept a very sort of neutral, you know, um, yeah, he always kind of kept a, a real sort of neutral uh, response whenever I would bring these issues up to the table. 
you know, he would, he would obviously say, well, you know, I wasn't there and there's two sides to a coin. So I don't feel like he was taking sides, Mm. but he was also trying to be very wise about it and very, you know, but at this point, I think he realized I'm going to have to step in. And so I know he then really started seeking the Lord for his family Mm. on behalf of his family as to what do we do here? What's the way forward here? And it was around the time of our ladies conference where, um, you know, we were going to be opening up to a whole bunch of women coming for a Saturday. Um, and our pastor's wife was going to be leading that event. And while we were doing sound check that morning, my, you know, Sandra was obviously very involved in the church and that he was, you know, heading up audio and tech. So he was behind the sound desk and I was on the stage, um, doing sound check and the rest of the team had gone backstage. They were in the green room refreshing, you know, getting refreshed and ready for, for the event. And it was just me now doing final tweaks on my mic. And I heard, this is your last conference Mm -hmm. at this church. And I turned around because it sounded like whoever it was that said it was here, like standing right behind me. And it kind of gave me a bit of a fright actually, because I knew I was the only one on stage, but there must've been someone on stage to say that. So I turned around to see who said it and there was no one there. And I had this like (gasps) overwhelming sense of almost like relief that this to me was the spirit of God reassuring me that he sees me, he's got me, he knows exactly what's been going on throughout the course of these last few years. And don't you worry, kid, I've got you. All right. And, um, it was, it was incredible. And what I didn't realize was that while this was all happening with me and the Holy spirit, um, Sandro was actually getting a phone call from his family who had moved to Australia five years prior from London, very, very dear to us. Um, Sandro's brother and his wife. And to say that uh, the wife was actually in London and wanted to see us. And it's crazy because that's actually what sort of instigated the shift. Mm -hmm. And I talk about this in my book. Uh, She came around, she hung with us that week. And, you know, I was teetering on the edge, man. I had had this moment with Sandro in the bathroom where I was like, I cannot do this. We then just had this conference. I had this word from the Lord, I believed was him saying, this is it. Your time here is done. And then the following week we catch up with my sister-in-law and we're spending time together. And all she's talking about is Australia and just how good it would be for you and the family to just start again and have an adventure and do something completely different like you've never done before. And the more she was sharing this and wanting to hear where we were at and, you know, what's your vision for the future and Nalini, what's happening with your music? And I mean, I was just like, I don't know, like you'll have to ask my senior pastor because I can't make any decisions for my life because he does that for me. Yeah. And it was that that really – the more she spoke about starting again and having a fresh start and just being a family again and doing what's right for you and the family. And she kept making this emphasis on you and the family. The more I was getting riled up on the inside because I so desperately wanted to go, yep, let's go and have an adventure. 
that's what I wanted so desperately to do. Yeah. But I felt like, how dare you mm. feel like you can just abandon the ship, abandon your calling, abandon your ministry and everything that God has entrusted you with by just upsticksing and leaving and going to the other side of the world with your precious family. Yeah. How dare you? That's it again, right? Because I remember how we were speaking earlier in the conversation, much earlier, about how even upon signing the dotted lines, fulfilling your you know, contractual obligation to become a worship director, there was still that nagging thought in the back of your mind of, you're not ready for this. You don't deserve yeah. this. You need to humble yourself. How dare you? Yes. And I feel like that's probably the entirety of this story summed up in three words is how dare you? Yeah, well. It's kind of been following you around ever since you first signed all the way through till to your eventual leaving of the country and trying to find a new life. And even then in your recovery. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. So I'm curious to know as well. Um, when did you first realize that what it was you were experiencing was actually abuse? Because it's very easy for people to become victims of abuse and have no clue that it's even happening until much later on. So when did it first become very apparent that this is not right? The first time that I realized that what I was experiencing in this church was abuse was seven years later seven years later when I was sat having dinner with a beautiful pastor in our now current church's branch in LA and she said tell me your story and I just started to unpack some of these events and found myself also in tears like I have been in this time with you now as I relived some of these events, and this was obviously before the book was written. And I just remember getting to the end of it. And she looked at me and went, my gosh, Nalini, do you realize that that was narcissistic abuse? That was the first time ever in now, what, 14 years, having journeyed with that church in London for about seven years and then seven years later realizing that actually it wasn't all on me. This wasn't on me. This wasn't because I was arrogant and pig-headed and, you know, had allowed the position to go to my head or that I was rebelling against my church leadership or, you know, that I didn't have a humble bone in my body or, you know, that I was stepping out of God's will by leaving the country and moving my family to the other side of the earth, was rebelling against God. Like, that was the first time that I realized, whoa, hang on a second, there's a lot more at play here. Yeah. 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 Um, I guess that 
then leads directly into like this idea that it's widespread. There's lots of facets to this. It's not just about you. Have you been made aware of any cases of abuse within the church against others? Be those people who were near to you or even people that you didn't know at the time, people who have reached out. Um, was this widespread amongst other members of staff and even the general congregation? I've, I've been inundated, inundated by people. Even people who were told that we were rebelling against the church and that they were to have nothing to do with us have reached out years later, years later, to say, you know, we've, we've been experiencing the same abuse and we suspect that this is probably what happened to you and we just want to say we're so sorry for ostracizing you and cutting you off, but damn, what do we do? Like, how do we, how do we navigate this? How do we heal from this? How do we move forward from this? Too many, Ramon, I've had too many people. You see, and that's part of the challenge. It's just we're seeing countless people coming into the church. But what about the people who are leaving? You know, there's this, unfortunately, there is this back door. (laughs) Okay. And yes, sure, I understand that, you know, sometimes it actually is on the individual who is leaving, all right, who is just picking up offenses left, right, and center, doesn't have things their way. And, you know, so now they're going to be a pot plant and they're going to go from this church to the other and they're never going to put their roots down. Sure, that's fine. I get that. That's that's always going to be, that's always going to happen, right? But it's the ones who have been hurt by church leadership and their abusive, narcissistic ways of leading that I am most concerned about. Mm. I am most concerned about. Yeah. Because what's happening is, and this is what I am seeing is it's not only resulting in people leaving church, you know, walking away from the institution of the church. For many, they're actually walking away from God. Yeah. There is this horrible connection between, for some reason, seeing my church leaders' abusive actions towards me as almost like it's God's actions towards me. No, this is this is man misrepresenting God and abusing their position of authority. There's no other way to put it. But it's the damage that's being done. It's the lives of these these people who love the Lord and want to serve the Lord and give their heart and soul to the church to be a part of the body of Christ, to bring their gifts and their talents to the table so that they can edify the body of Christ, right? Yeah. That are now broken and disgruntled, not knowing left from right, where they fit in the big scheme of things, questioning their own salvation, that is messed up. Yeah. That is messed up. That's really why I was like, we've got to launch this podcast. Yeah. 
Yeah. We have to have these conversations. It's time to talk about it. Yeah, and people desperately want answers to these kinds of situations. Yeah. Um, you've received quite a few questions okay. from different members of your community, people from your history, people who are following you. Uh, one question that's been asked that I think is very pertinent to exactly what we're talking about is, do you feel that by staying within the church under situations such as these, that you're actually inadvertently enabling the abuse, the abuse that you're receiving? 100%. And that's a difficult situation because as you're saying, right, these leaders have you wrapped up in a position where you feel like God is condemning you. Yeah. That's a very powerful aid to have on your side, I guess, if you're a narcissist or if you're an abusive individual, um, to have the authority of God bestowed upon you by supposedly the Lord himself to make these calls on his behalf. Right. And yet simultaneously, by staying within the environment in which God is condemning you for not doing enough, you're enabling the abuse. Right. And by leaving that environment, you're going against God's will. Right. So do you think that staying in the environment is enabling the abuse? And if so, what's the solution for people who are stuck in incredibly toxic and abusive okay. church relationships. Okay. So staying in that environment, is it enabling the abuse by staying? Yes, 100%. Because I can tell you now, even though after we chose to leave, we still experienced nine months of abuse, even when we were you know, in our packing up our bags and prepping to leave for Australia, we still experienced that abuse the minute we landed in Australia and we were well away from that environment, the abuse stopped, yeah. right? Because we cut ourselves off from that relationship, yeah. yeah? What does one do when one feels like they're tied or they're trapped, which is exactly what I felt? Okay, here's the thing. Yes, they have been appointed by God to lead the church. I believe that. All right. Those who are in leadership positions have been appointed by God to, to run their race and to fulfill what God has placed within them. However, man is still susceptible to sin and to temptation. It doesn't make them exempt from that. Yeah. Okay. Look at Saul. Look at King Saul. He was a fervent follower of Christ, a fervent follower of God. All right. But he, there was a shift with Saul at one point. I mean, he received David in as his own son. David was his son's best friend, received David in. David would play his harp for him. Yep. But there was a turning point with King Saul even where the spirit of God departed from him. Yep. But I remember, and I've got, this, I've got this passage in my notes here. 1 Samuel 24 verse 6 says, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David couldn't do anything to uh, stop Saul from 
doing what Saul was doing, which at that point in time was coming after David. He wanted to annihilate David, like take him out. Yeah. What did David do? He fled. He fled. He went into hiding. So what do I say to the one who's feeling trapped? Stop feeling trapped. This is your life. They have no authority or ownership over you. You have absolute right to walk away, to flee, in fact, from that narcissistic behavior. Absolutely. That is the only way. Get out of that toxic relationship. It is the only way. But unfortunately, it's like a marriage, you know? Mm. Why does the woman take so long to leave her abusive husband? Well, because it's it's what she knows. It's become her familiarity. The fear of the unknown, of what it's going to look like if I leave, sometimes far outweighs the pain of staying. Yeah. But for me, I mean, I knew it was going to kill me. I was suicidal at a point. It would be the lead up to worship practice on a Thursday night. You know, the rest of the office had gone four o'clock. I was in this multi-story building in the city of London waiting for seven o'clock to strike for when my band members would arrive. So between 4 p.m. and 7 p.m., I was alone in this building, phoning my kids, asking them about their day, crying in silence on the other side of the phone because I didn't want them to know that I was mortified, devastated that I couldn't be with them, Mm. be with you, be with your brother, biting my hand while you told me about your day and then going upstairs to the top bathroom wanting to top it all, wanting to end it all because I just, I could not carry on, couldn't carry on. So for me, I knew it was life or death. I have to get out. And that is my word of advice to anyone who is in a toxic relationship in or out of the church, okay, because you can you can appropriate this in any context. Get out because your life probably depends on it. Thank you for joining us today. And if you've been impacted by anything we have covered, please don't hesitate to reach out. My email address is info at nalinitranquim.com. You can also find me on social media. So drop me a DM. If you are in crisis and need intervention, we have included some resources for you in the description field of today's episode. Please get help. You are not alone and you needn't face this alone. I'll close with this. Our God is a restorative and loving God. He rescued me from my abuser and has taken my family and I on a journey of incredible healing. It's the only reason I'm able to talk about it now and come alongside others who are currently navigating abusive relationships. If you know someone who needs to hear this, share this with them. Use this as a tool to start that difficult conversation. For those of you who are itching for episode four, then join our Patreon family and get pre-release access. Simply head to patreon.com forward slash Nalini Tranquim. I love you and I'll talk to you soon.